Welcome back to another episode of Marvel News Desk, your best place to keep up with all the latest news and reviews and speculation concerning Marvel films and TV shows. Today, it looks like the panel is just going to be me and Adam. What's going on, everyone? Adam Barnhart. I am on Twitter, at Adam Barnhart. It's pretty exciting stuff. Please follow me. And I'm on Twitter as at Caleb A. Borchers. Uh, we want to encourage you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, that's watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, we added a bunch of new subscribers with the contest for Deadpool, so that's been great, but uh, please keep them coming. Uh, also, you can check out the second podcast of the Marvel News Desk family. That's AP Marvel. This week's episode is all about the firing of James Gunn and also kind of the legacy and history of James Gunn and his other films. It's like a mega-sized two-hour episode. I know that Chris worked really hard on preparing for it and recording it and editing it and all that kind of stuff. So you can check that out, and they will get very in-depth into Mr. Gunn. Um, and speaking of which, Adam, let's just go ahead and start out with that news. It's been a big week since we talked last. Uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy cast. Mm-hmm. Um including all the main characters, Sean Gunn, uh, Michael Rooker, they signed a letter uh, in support of James Gunn sort of as a person, and several of them asked that he be reinstated in the tweet that went with that letter. Uh, Then we got some tweets a little later in the week that said Disney is going to meet with him, and it looked like he might be rehired. And then Variety came out and said, nope, there's not. it's not going to happen. We've talked to Disney insiders, and he is done for good. Um, also, um, uh, Roka over at Collider has been suggesting that he has heard that there was some rifts going on between Disney and Gunn before this, um, that they were sort of some creative differences about where they were taking volume three. And so that this, uh, might have had a little more to, uh, a little more to it than just the tweets and all that kind of stuff. It's been a real roller coaster weekend, uh, a week of information on all this stuff, Adam, I think. We have felt that he's definitely coming back and definitely not yeah. at different yeah. points. Where where, you, where are you right this now? This is bonkers, and it's it's not done. It's going to keep happening. There's going to be more reports reports surfacing. Ah, they're going to rehire him. No, they're not. So, What boggles my mind is Variety's the one that controlled the news cycle this week with... I mean, they reported both sides. I mean, they said and they buried the lead in that one article. It's the very last paragraph or whatever. And they said, oh, by the way, Disney might rehire Gunn. And then, what, less than 48 hours? They're like, nah, Disney's not rehiring Gunn. I don't know. You know, it's we've heard nothing from it. Obviously, Gunn's been off social media. Um, I read, like, uh, Vulture or Polygon or one of these sites uh, had tweeted that James Gunn deleted Twitter, um, but his profile still pulled up for me. I don't It's kind of almost getting to the... Uh, I don't, I don't want to... Com- I'll compare it to the Fox and Comcast deal. You know, we went through that phase. Is it happening? Is it not happening? I want it to happen. Ah, it's bad for the whole entertainment industry. That sort of thing. That's kind of where we're at, except this is a little bit more solidified than that is. You know, chances are James Gunn won't be rehired. I would be, as much as I want James Gunn rehired, you know, I'm this close to joining the whole, hey, let's change my Twitter profile name to something, something, ah, James Gunn needs to be free. But, you know, I, it, 
it would surprise me significantly if they rehired Gunn. The one thing I do want to hear is I want some sort of statement from Kevin Feige. You know, he's been super, super quiet on this whole issue. And it, it when there's no statements, it, consumers are allowed to really run amok in their thoughts. You know, it's it it eases people's minds when a figurehead comes out with a statement. Obviously, that's not going to calm all fears. Then conspiracies are going to pop up and that sort of stuff. But at least it provides some sort of peace of mind, whether it's a legitimate peace of mind, whether it's false hope, so on and so forth. But it's just bizarre. I mean, Kevin Feige has practically crafted the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's essentially his baby. And he's been silent on that. And I, as, as an MCU fan, uh, as an MCU devotee, as a um, member of the Church of Kevin Feige and the Latter-day Saints, you know, it's just kind of unnerving that he hasn't said anything yet. Well, and you talk about minds running amok. I mean, the, let's throw out some of the narratives that immediately, I mean, we've talked about these. These are coming to our minds like, the one way to look at this is Feige is ticked off about it and he doesn't like that he lost his director and he doesn't want to make it without him, but he also realizes his bosses made this decision. And so right now he's like stewing and working behind the scenes and trying to get James back and all that kind of stuff. Another narrative would be that Alan Horn and Bob Iger are royally hacked off at Kevin Feige right now because it was Feige's job to vet James Gunn. And they're like, we trusted you to hire this director, and now we've got this crap storm on our hands that you didn't take care of. And, you know, that's a possibility. I mean, maybe maybe Feige and James Gunn were having creative differences, and maybe they were annoyed with one another, and maybe Feige's like, oh, this is a great opportunity now to bring somebody new in. Like... Um, it's, you know, like, it's just, we don't have any idea. And and none of those were like informed opinions. I don't have any sources. Like we don't know, but it seems odd that Kevin Feige is not, I don't know. He kind of goes into his shell and like hides when he doesn't have to go to a comic con or like a, a release. And I'm sure he's busy with Captain Marvel and Avengers four. But the other thing we talked about is this, they're they're going to be up against it. Um, we did the research this week for Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. If, if the timetable for 3 is for it to come out in May of 2020, and if the timetable is the same as the timetable they used for Volume 2, then Gunn would have been going to Atlanta to start pre-production work in September. That's the kind of t- last time it was September of two years before the film came out that he moved. I mean, that's not long. And so replacing him is something that they're going to have to get into. And it's weird because one of the reports said because they're not talking to other people, that suggests that they're going to take Gunn back. But then we read, we heard like, no, 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 they might just push it out. I don't know if they're going to push it out because I don't think they want to give up that sweet May 2020 release date. You know, and they're got to have something else that's ready. I don't, I mean, maybe Black Widow fills that spot, but that seems like a big step down as far as clout. I mean, I don't know. It's like you said, we're filling in tons of stuff in our head because they're not talking about it. 
And apparently it's all been made worse because Bob Iger like went off to take a two week yeah. yeah, I sealed the Fox deal like honeymoon or something. Exactly. Like, him and Robert, Rupert Murdoch are like feeding each other daiquiris somewhere or something. I don't know. It just anyway. The the second I saw Iger was on vacation, uh, when Leonardo DiCaprio's just like taking the the Benjamins and Wolf of Wall Street and throwing them off the side of his yacht. That is what I pictured Bob Iger doing after the Fox deal closed. But yeah, it's, I mean, I don't want to even mention it, uh, but it probably deserves a discussion. I mean, is, is Guardians 3 a for sure deal? I mean, because that is, that, that is another option, right? So, I mean, here's my data points that I find significant. Um... I think Kevin Feige at one point said they would not make Ant-Man unless they made Edgar Wright Ant-Man or somebody said that. And then Edgar Wright left and they still made Ant-Man. Um, that to me is an important data point. Um, they had, you know, um, uh, the Patty Jenkins left Thor the dark world and they just found someone to replace her. Um, I think, and, and I'm, I'm suspicious that, Disney has gotten like a lot of hubris about this. They made huge, big movies with Taika Waititi and frankly, James Gunn and John Watts and the Russo. Like there have been so many, who is that directors that they've put into the chair and it's made $800 million that I don't think, I think Disney thinks that they will have a hit on their hands no matter what. Man, you see how toxic Twitter is, though? You, ha- you have that fan base, you know? I mean, of course, if they make Guardians 3 with someone else at the helm, yes, I will go. But there's, it's, it's going to be the, the last Jedi all over again, you know? Yeah, I mean, but I've, seen, I've seen both things on Twitter, though. I've also seen, yeah, I kind of hated Guardians 2 anyways. I think Guardians 1 was more the screenwriter, so it's not a problem. Or, as I tweeted about this week, you know, X-Men is a much bigger deal, so Marvel doesn't even need Guardians. Like, now that the X-Men are here, <laughs> Guardians sucks. Like, yeah. I, like, they've seen right? like, all those kinds of things. Oh, Twitter. All right. Speaking of things that could be in that spot. Oh. I also felt like we should talk real quick. The statement from the cast, which we really haven't even talked about. It was such a big deal earlier. It was a fascinating statement because it was very firmly behind James Gunn. But I think it needs to be also pointed out that there was no language of boycott whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Nowhere at any point did they go, if he's not back, I'm not back. There's some people who feel like that would be the next shoe to drop. But... um. From my perspective, now the tweets around it said, hey, rehire James Gunn. If you read the actual statement, it doesn't even ask Disney to rehire. It says, we appreciate the people who want him rehired, and we look forward to working with him in the future. But nowhere in the letter does it even say, we think Disney should rehire this guy. So I think their agents are all like, listen, guys, you've got to make this movie. You're contractually obligated. It would be a hurt, you know, it hurt your career if you didn't do it. I think the cast is trying to play it as hard as they can with Disney without actually making any commitments because they want to make money. <laughs> That's the other thing I'm thinking about. Obviously, they're under some sort of contract. Obviously, their contract probably extends uh, 
past the Guardians movies. You know what? Chris Evans had a seven or eight movie contract. I read this week that Chris Pratt had five after Guardians 1. So Guardians 2, two Avenger movies, and Guardians 3, he would have another one even past Guardians 3. On and that's the thing. I mean, it'd be interesting to see one of these contracts. I mean, I would guess there's... Uh, if someone doesn't want to be in the movie, obviously they're going to show up to set and just do the most piss-poor job they can, right? Like, a guy like Dave Batista, he's been all over this on Twitter. Um, I mean, there's probably something in place to prevent that from happening, isn't there? There's some sort of guild or union or, or something, isn't it? I mean, what happens if a guy like Batista just shows up and starts acting like a potato? I mean, the answer is... Um, we got a new Red Skull in Infinity War, right? right? Because the guy who played Red Skull... Is it Guy Pierce, or am I thinking of someone uh, else? Weaving. Hugo, is it? Yes. Hugo Weaving. Right, right, right. I don't know why I get those two guys goofed up. But yeah, Hugo Weaving clearly didn't want to come back. And I'm sure contractually they could have made him come back and get a terrible perform Like... You can sue a guy for not showing up, right. but you can't sue a guy for doing a bad job because mm-hmm. it's subjective, yeah, absolutely. you know? So, I mean, I think there's some danger there, but I think also it's, I mean, I think you could sell these guys too that the best way, particularly if they keep the script, that the best way to finish out Gunn's legacy at this point is to make a great Guardians 3 with a new director and James Gunn's script. You know, like, make it how James would have made it. You know, like, to me, that's that would be a relatively easy sell for these guys. And if, if you, I think you got to be careful if you're them. Because if I'm Dave Batista, like, I might not make it back from the snap. You know, like, maybe Drax just stays gone if I make too much of a turd of myself. And, you know, I like Batista. I felt like I saw him in Hotel Artemis. He was pretty good. But... I don't think he's in a place in his career that he should be throwing away opportunities to be in billion-dollar movies. Oh, absolutely. Agreed. And that's the thing. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, they have yet to do Avengers 4 reshoots. It's going to be interesting. I mean, we'll probably never find this out, but I wonder how much this is going to affect Avengers 4. You know, if if the actions of some of the cast members, like you said, it was almost bizarre that in the statement, the sell, you can read through the statement, and quite frankly, the statement doesn't really say anything. It shows that, you know, they're united and they actually signed the damn document, but at the same time, it didn't say rehire gun. You know, they're like, ah, oh, it's it's a, a short essay about how James Gunn is a good dude, you know. But I mean, some people tweeted, and in the attached tweet. They said, ah, oh, rehire James Gunn. I think uh, Zoe Saldana did it. I, I think Dave Batista did it. But, you know, I, I don't know. You know, it's it will be interesting to see, or I should say it would be interesting to find out, which we probably never will, if this affects Avengers 4. Because you look at a guy like Drax, I mean, his story arc's not really wrapped up per se, but then again, he's not really had a true story arc would you guys agree with me on that i mean certainly not like rocket raccoon or 
or Gamora even, or or Quill, you know? He's just kind of there without any arc per per se, you know? Well, and the weird thing about Drax, Avengers Infinity War kind of makes him, for me, and I'm sure we have Drax fans that will be ticked at us, but like it makes him sort of superfluous to me. When when you have a world where you have like Cole Obsidian and Hulk and Thanos and like all these like gigantic muscle monsters, what even is Drax's power? Like he's strong, but he's not like he's not Hulk strong, you know? Like if Drax has an arc, it's defeating Thanos to avenge his family. That's where it could end. Right, but I felt like that was even lame because what was his arc in the first yeah. one? Defeating Ronan, Ronan yeah. to avenge his family. So, like, I feel like if he defeats Thanos, he's like, now I must defeat Galactus. Thanos' dad. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. if he hadn't given birth to yeah. him, then he wouldn't have been existent. Right. And Drax is actually the bad guy in Eternals. It's all about Drax trying to hunt them down. Yeah. <laughs> Drax is the villain of Eternals that would be funny um, so talking about movies that I think now this is let's talk about I mean, we talked about what could be in that Guardian slot and this maybe has an outside chance of happening this week um, Scott Derrickson the director of Doctor Strange uh, first of all left Twitter which has me in mourning he was my favorite Twitter follow ever and now he's gone Twitter just became a darker place for me and I didn't think that was possible um, but then he went to Instagram and he has a picture of Dr. Strange kind of praying and, um, kind of had like a little Bible quotation. And then it said, see you in September. Uh, what was, uh, let me pull up that quotation real quick. Do you remember? No, but I did see, I'll let you finish before you might bring up the comment. Cause he, he did comment in the, uh, picture and i think that his comment says is i don't tease was his comment later on in the picture after so many responses ever obviously he tweets that and people are like oh dr strange 2 is going to be announced um but yeah he went and commented back on the picture saying i don't tease so i thought hmm. that was peculiar so yeah it's 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 strange praying, and then it says, "Not my will, but thine be done." Obviously, a quote from Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Um, I mean, September was really weird, though. I mean, is it possible that they've always been trying to do Doctor Strange? We've talked about maybe that November twenty twenty date, and with this Guardian stuff, Feige gave him a call and said, "Listen, we're moving it up." You're you're moving to you're you're going to be in Atlanta in September, and we're going to start trying to get this Doctor Strange thing on on film so that that can move into that May 2020 slot. Is that a possibility based on what we're seeing here? I guess. I mean, weren't weren't Avengers wasn't Avengers Four reshoot supposed to start in September as well? I thought they said this fall, and September seems very folly to me. Maybe that's just me. No, if the question is if September's in the fall, yes, I believe September. Okay. Well, is no. In the fall. <laughs> well, didn't Gunn have I, I, some yeah, sort I of mean, consulting role may, on Avengers Four? That's that's what I was getting at. Yeah, Gunn was kind of. Uh, I think he's actually credited as an executive producer on Infinity War and Avengers Four. 
So maybe Derrickson could be teasing that. Maybe Derrickson's confirming he's directing Volume 3. Oh, that would be... That would be really... With the quote, it'd be like, I don't want... Like, it's not my will. Like, I don't really want to do Guardians <laughs> 3. I want to do Doctor Strange 2, but I'm willing to do whatever Disney needs to. Replacing God with Disney is a little disconcerting for me, but nonetheless... So, if Disney is God, that means Kevin Feige is Jesus? <laughs> Potentially. And in the past few weeks, James Gunn would be Judas? You're all on your own on this one, man. I don't know. However you want to, however you want to put okay. it down. <laughs> Rhiannon, would you be uh, excited to see Doctor Strange kind of move up in that slot and get, come here faster than we thought? I just worry when they start rushing things. I, I, I would worry about any of it if they are rushing the process. So, you know, maybe Derrickson... I mean, maybe the Doctor Strange script is ready and it was just waiting until they... You know, maybe waiting until next spring or something to get started or maybe um yeah in which case that's fine but if they're scrambling and trying to make things work i i would be concerned i'm assuming that the doctor strange script has been being worked on for a little bit for a little while um you know we've had all these we had several hints along the way that derrickson's been working on this so to me, if the script is done and they move it up, um, the only concern would be the visual effects. But I remember when Doctor Strange came out, he said that um, Doctor Strange has a whole lot less VFX work than Guardians movies do. So I would hope there'd be space and time to get it done. Uh, speaking of release dates, our next bit of news, um, IMAX in a um, quarter two stockholder call. Uh, had listed Avengers 4 as a movie coming out in April of next year. And everybody seems to think that means that uh, they're going to move Avengers 4 up again. Uh, I was kind of assuming that would probably happen anyways. I mean, I think we were all pretty pleased with them moving it up a week. Was that is that true? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. So the three of us think it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't see... I mean, after seeing Infinity War, I, you know, I don't see how they could do the traditional thing where they release a week earlier in Europe than America with the sequel. I will be angry if they do. Plus, you know, they want to give that uh, Dark Phoenix movie some room to breathe at the box office, right? <laughs> I think Dark Phoenix is coming in February, man. It's bringing oh. it closer to Dark Phoenix. Oh, oh. yeah, I had no idea. That shows Trying how much I Dark paid Phoenix attention. Phoenix out of the room like somebody... <laughs> Like somebody fanning a fart out the window, you know? Just get it out of here as fast as possible. That's actually going to be the slogan for Dark Phoenix. Fanning a fart out the window. Uh, all right. I think you guys will be a little more excited about this one. Uh, Iron Fist was giving us episode titles one at a time every day at noon. And after 10 of those titles, they gave us no more titles. It appears that it's only going to be a 10-episode season. Uh, Adam, does that make you happier yeah, or sadder? Yeah, yeah, you yeah, like yeah, Iron yeah, Fist? yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm stoked. I mean, we've talked time and time again. I mean, at least I think ten episodes is the sweet spot. Um, but I, then again, it, it comes down to writing. If it's bad writing, I mean, the more episodes is probably worse. 
you know, but I I don't know who came up with it, but the the 13 episode seasons we've seen have just felt like they're slow. Um and the defenders at 8 episodes felt like it was too fast. Is that the right word? Fast? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think poorly written was the yeah, word. Yeah, but, yeah, uh, yeah. Something like that, you know. <laughs> but I don't know. Let's let's see how it goes. Maybe 10 episodes is the right answer. You look at all the other original content on Netflix and it's not it's not 13 episodes. It's not 13 hours long. Um I think Stranger Things is 7 and 8 episodes. Uh, I just got done watching Glow season 2 and Glow season 2 was 10 half hour episodes, I think. The one thing um that I will bring back is that Alice Eve mentioned in an interview at San Diego is that Iron Fist is a really good 12-hour movie. Now, I'm not sure if she kind of just made a general comment, but with 10 episodes, one would think, I mean, I know I grew up in Northwest Iowa, so my math is poor, but 12 hours is longer. Those are, that, that makes for some pretty long episodes if you divide it up. Um, it kind of goes under mentioned I think Luke Cage all of the episodes of season 2 were an hour but some of the other Netflix shows had episodes that were only like 42 minutes long you know like the episode count is one thing the minute counts another like it would be weird if this was 10 80 minute episodes yeah. you know like that would that'd be real bizarre Rhiannon um, there's been a lot of like people getting into weird contests about who can figure out if it's 10 or 13 and people calling each other idiots for whether it was or not. I feel like we've kind of said that for a long time. I mean, we've been kind of thinking that this has been 10 for a bit, right? I mean, it all came back to that report, I guess a year ago or something where New York city said there were 23 episodes being filmed within a certain time span and it only worked out if it, it only worked out if iron fist was 10 episodes so i guess we interpreted that right back back whenever that happened um i and i don't particularly i mean i, I i've never been on the 10 episode bandwagon so we'll see we'll see how it does i mean because they definitely proved with Defenders that they could put together a bad series in short episodes. They could put together a good series. You, know, I felt that Luke Cage and Punisher, a lot of people, felt dragged on, but I enjoyed. And yeah, you know, I'm getting used to the new normal of the the slow burn through the 13 episodes. They seem to have found that pacing. So i think it'll depend a lot more on what raven the new showrunner brings to the table than the number of episodes i think we also alarm bells went off when iron fist started filming a month or two after daredevil season three yeah and they wrapped almost the same time and that's when we were like they either film that show really fast or it's gonna be shorter you know yeah, I was trying to remember what that difference was and if it meant that maybe they've gone to 10 episodes for all the series or if we're looking at 13 for Daredevil as well. Because at the time, I just thought they 
they had a higher budget for Daredevil and took their time. But hopefully this means we still get 13 when it comes to Daredevil. All right. Um, let me go ahead and do kind of the wrap-up thing. Uh, we have a couple of other quick stories. I don't think there's too much to talk about. Um, speaking of Iron Fist, uh, there was an interview with Collider and the cast where they asked Finn Jones if there was anyone from Game of Thrones that he'd like to appear in Season 3. And he said, yeah, I'd love the dragon to appear to make some people think there'll be no dragon in season two. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, Netflix uh, in their TCA uh, presentations this week also mentioned that they're always looking for spinoffs. We still don't know exactly how that works and how Marvel's uh, or Disney's streaming service would feel about that. Uh, Runaway season two is definitely coming this year. Uh, they said that that is coming winter of 2018 which gets back into our interpretation of months. It would seem to me that would be late November, early December. I don't think you can be winter in October, but anyway, that's coming definitely in this uh, calendar year. Um, Spider-Man Far From Home, Tom Holland had a little Instagram video where he was wearing the same suit as Homecoming, which makes us think he'll be back in the classic spider suit. And Jake Gyllenhaal has been chilling out in London, which makes us think that he is in that movie. And I don't see any reason to think he's not at this point. Any of those news bits interesting to you before we move on? Uh, sorry. I stopped listening after you said no dragon. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Yeah, my bad. It's cool. It's all right. Let's see. It's fine. I'll just brush it off. We'll go on. Yeah, what's I don't even think Jake Gyllenhaal even posted on his own Instagram. I think some fan just ran up to him and took a picture. Um, so there's not really anything you can do to stop that from spreading. I can never figure out. You know, they make these official casts and like, hey, we're filming announcements and here's the cast. But they always make them after they've started filming and like it just it doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. You know, like when are they going to announce this for real? Oh, that's a good question. We haven't gotten one of those for uh, Far From Home yet, have we? I don't think so. All right, uh, let's go ahead and talk about Cloak and Dagger. Cloak and Dagger had their finale, and we have obviously seen it. Um, did you? I mean, let's just real generic. Did you guys feel like it yeah. finished out strong? How about you, Rhiannon? I I I think it finished strong. Um. I was, I'm not sure. You guys talk first. <laughs> I've watched it and I have thoughts, but but not very, like, strong thoughts. I am not sure exactly what the hell happened, um, but I loved it because of all the special effects and the super cool sticks cover throughout the entire episode. I thought that was actually rad. Uh, <laughs> Plawa, Plawa, it just, I'm not... I'm not sure what to think. What they both, one person needed to die, and Tandy's like, "Nah, we both gotta die." But then no one died. But then everything's safe and sound. I don't know. Maybe I didn't pay enough attention because I was too infatuated with that sticks cover. Um, but I thought it was cool. That super cool uh, ending, uh, the combining of powers and stuff. I thought that was super cool. The mayhem effects in the post credit scene, that was cool. If they do that stuff actually in the season and it just wasn't kind of edited that way, that'd be super cool. Um, I lost my train of thought. 
Yeah, it was a real solid finale, though. I uh, This season of Cloak & Dagger completely shattered expectations. This is the most happy I think I've ever been with a Marvel TV show because I'm not sure if I had any expectations, but this show completely obliterated anything that I thought Cloak & Dagger was going to be. And for that, I applaud them. So I had a theory going the whole episode that was wrong and it kind of distracted me, but I liked that I was thinking something else. The The one that sacrificed always had the armband, you know? And um, Officer uh, O'Reilly had a coat on with like white bands around oh. the arms. Mm-hmm. So I thought what they were going to do is that it was an, an elaborate misdirect. The divine pairing was always Tyrone and Detective O'Reilly. They were the divine pairing, and she was the one that was going to sacrifice her life. And the powers didn't matter. Like the, the, the idea that the divine pairing were the two with powers was just something we had put in our heads and they had put in their heads, but that we had misplayed it the whole time. And then that's not how it worked out. And I didn't, I almost, I liked my version a little better, I think. But. <laughs> that, that does bring up a good point, though, because in the comic books, Detective O'Reilly died. And then when she was reanimated or revived, that is when she got her mayhem powers. So, I mean, that theory could come true next season, right? Does that make sense? I'm hoping we're done with Divine Pairing, but maybe Oh, not. no, it's going to drag on like the hand probably, man. It's all about the it's it's the whole black and white and yin and yang stuff. It's the Divine Pairing. It's all about balance. That's what the MCU is about now. The balance. Well, but now they've paired. I mean, I don't know. I'm with you, Adam, that it that it just sort of the end just sort of poof it's pretty but i have no idea what happened there but i feel like they definitely went someplace new and it gives them a place to jump off next season with their powers we also saw ty debut his like legit powers he sucked connor's into the dark force and before we had only that made me so i know Before, we'd only see him teleport, but now we know that he can actually... Because that's where I thought they were going with Tandy. They were going with Tandy where she could go into the dreams or the hopes. I'm not sure if if that has a name. But I thought they were kind of giving her Ty's powers of being able to drain people from their hopes. But then Ty sucked Connors into the Dark Force dimension. I'm like, oh man, this is cool. Well, and now she did the thing where she created a new element in Scarborough's and like sent him into that like room and he was like comatose at the end. Which was interesting. I mean, it's an expansion of her power that she hasn't had yet where she can like manipulate that world before she could view it and she could suck it up. But now she can manipulate it and create spaces in it. And did she send him to the same place that that Hess like um Mina's dad was in is that basically what we're supposed to understand that's kind of what I gathered because it looked like the same kind of almost like a ship door like a submarine door of sorts like that metal one with the big circle handle thing so that's that's what I got from it also 
Um, this is probably a really stupid critique. Um, I am not a professional hitman, so I don't know what they wear. But if you were assassinating people on behalf of Roxxon Corporation, wouldn't you want more than one disguise? Like this water water woman has been wearing the same like FedEx type uniform all season long. Just seems kind of suspicious. It's her killing outfit, Adam. Stop judging. It's, it's all black. It's the only clothes she can get bloody. Yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe it doesn't pay enough for her to have multiple killing outfits. Ah, accurate. Now, Rhiannon, I wanted your take. Um, It turns out Adam was right. It is Mardi Gras. I know. I'm so sorry. What did you think of the depictions of Mardi Gras? I'm sorry. It was Mardi Gras. Um, I mean, okay. They had a parade. <laughs> they had beads. It was Mardi Gras, which I mean, I which a, a, a zombie, a, essentially a zombie attack on New Orleans during Mardi Gras. That was awesome. Don't people turn into zombies um, anyways during Mardi Gras? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like you would hardly even notice. They would probably just like take over, and the city would not even realize what happened until afterwards. They're mopping up all the beads. Mopping up. They're they're cleaning up all the beads and realize there are actual dead bodies at the time or something. I don't know. Um, so I I thought that was real interesting concept. Um, their depiction of Mardi Gras was very spacious and uh, not that that's there's one thing that I was um. When they talk about budgets on films and stuff, it's how many extras you can have in a scene, like when you have a big crowd scene, and you could tell, you know, they couldn't afford a real Mardi Gras scene, they they had people there, but not like the absolute major crowds, um, so their budget was showing a little, but I, okay, it was Mardi Gras. No, I, I mean, I kind of wanted to go there. We complained it in Humans. That Adeline felt like a village with like forty people in it because like you saw like the same cast and like extras and it never had scale. I <laughs> felt like this episode had a little bit of that where Mardi Gras felt like a TV show filming Mardi Gras instead of what Mardi oh, Gras sure. is actually like. Yes. And then um and then we never got a sense of like this is happening all over the city. But then it seemed like it was a couple dozen of them. Like then the police station is totally overtaken. But then there's only like 20 people on another street and it's, it doesn't seem like the whole city knows what's going on. And then there was a really weird editing thing where like they were fighting the people in the alley and O'Reilly like shot a few people from a sniper spot. But then she was seemingly all by herself with, a, with, with Connors and the kids were nowhere nearby. Like I just felt like um, I, the, it was kind of edited and edited and cut together in sort of a haphazard way that confused me I felt like at a couple points yeah and that's why I think I was saying like that I I wasn't sure of my thoughts on the episode because there were so many weird little things that just sort of didn't come together right and also back to the Mardi Gras thing auntie was using the word Nolens the whole time when she described it and I was like ah just like doing all the things I said they never do. I know. 
Yeah, Adam, you mentioned the music. The Come Sail Away as the like beam was going up in the sky. Yeah. It was right up there with the back in black, or not back in black, the fade to black, inhuman. Like, I thought that was a terrible you choice. Like, like that? it was this huge, like oh, man. dramatic mo I don't I don't get it. Like it didn't feel like it totally fit to me. The song didn't have any meaning. It was just like I just don't. And then, why did they end up on the Superdome at the end? Because superpowers, man. Just because that's because an it was iconic cool. location. I don't. And they're holding hands. They're totally a couple now. What's their ship name? Do they have like a relationship name? Cloak and Dagger. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. My bad. Well and it bothered me because the Superdome has the Mercedes symbol on top now, and they were not in the middle of the Mercedes symbol, were they? No, they were not. I just had to like double check that I remembered that correctly. No, you're right. Also, I did notice that they apparently reached uh, their uh, counter this week, because like Tandy <laughs> went to go say it, but she's like, oh, sh or she said shiz or something like that. She stopped at the <laughs> SH, and I'm like, oh. They must have. They must have reached the limit. The only other thing that I was gonna say, I mean, as we're kind of wrapping up um, this season, uh, I feel like the side characters never totally. I liked a lot of things they did with his, uh, with Tyrone's parents, and with Father Delgado, and uh, less so with Mayhem, but she was fine. Uh, it did feel very uneven, though. It felt like like characters would disappear for five or six episodes at a time. Delgado doesn't effectively appear in this episode. I feel like his parents didn't totally get a great finish. I feel like her mom really kind of came in and like, I don't know. There's, there's kind of an unevenness. I'd kind of, if they could redistribute things so that all the characters stories came to a head together instead of one at a time, I, I would have enjoyed it. I think a little more. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I mean, the, the scenes father Delgado was in, I really enjoyed, especially last week. Um, I thought that actor nailed it. Um, I'm not sure I, I really understood anything Auntie Chantel had to do with anything. I mean, she's kind of like the, the voodoo person and explain the divine pairing, but I'm not sure Th they really didn't get into the divine pairing that much, save for this episode. You know, I mean, this episode included the line that we saw in the initial trailer oh somewhat one of you has to die you know and that was what evita said that with like 10 minutes left so i'll, I'll agree with that assessment and then that wasn't true yeah like that's the weird thing right like that wasn't how it had to go yeah and that's that's what was most disappointing for me uh i thought uh aubrey joseph killed it this week though his uh his scene in the evidence locker I thought that little uh, police monologue was some of the best stuff this season. Uh, let me ask this as we wrap up. I mean, I think we both, uh, we, we all three really enjoyed this. I think we were surprised, I think, all of us, how much we enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. um, where does this, where, where do you want to see it go next? I mean, how do, they, uh, how do they build on this for season two to make it, it even better? I mean, obviously, it'll be super interesting to see what they're going to do with Mayhem. Um, yeah, I would guess they're not going to make her any sort of villain. Um, 
it'll be interesting to see what they do. I mean, is Connors done done? Or are they actually go? If they go and you know actually do some dark force dimension stuff, that could be pretty cool and trippy. But you know, that's not something I'm sure that they can do on the show. Um, not sure where it goes. I I said this on Twitter and I I believe it. I think this is one of the strongest first seasons Marvel TV has done, you know, save for maybe Daredevil. I certainly liked it better than S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 1 and Iron Fist Season 1 and Inhuman Season 1. You know, uh, I thought it was a very... I think it's better than Runaway Season 1, too. Oh, absolutely. I liked that a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it was was super strong. It was consistent. Um, I think my biggest gripe would just be kind of the editing... The, the, especially early on, the editing made it so. Uh, I, I'm gonna say this wrong. Made it so you had to watch more than one episode. But it, it just they edited almost in an unnecessary way that they could have just edited it differently for that stuff to be resolved in one episode. You know, does that make sense? Or am I over thinking it? The editing was just off, and it. Yeah, that's my biggest gripe with the season, I guess. You know, I think season one was a creation story, and they'll have to establish a new normal in season two. Um, you know, either, you know, do Ty and Tandy try to go back to just staying with their parents? You know, is everything going to be back to normal and they try to find that? Or, you know, are we going to have to watch them go through the same stuff, you know, determine why they need to be together again or something? Or are they going to be running off um, as the divine pairing um, or anything like that? So I think there's a lot of places they can go in season two. And I think it'll be interesting if they can keep up the high quality. The super interesting thing is Ty's still a fugitive. So that with the increased, I mean... this week, Freeform's really, really, really been pushing this runaway stuff. Um, I don't know. Crossover, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that would be fun long term. I'm guessing we'll need one more cycle of that. Like, I'm guessing that if that happens, it happens at the end of Cloak and Dagger 2 and Runaways 3. Because I don't think... I don't think Runaways um, would be able to account for it yet, but I think it'd be cool. Uh, I would like to see him move on to a little more supernatural stuff. I mean, you talked about Dark Force. Uh, They managed to keep it uh, the G word, right? It was kind of grounded because the villains were sort of like this corporation and Ty's villain was like racism and police brutality. I'd kind of like him to wrap that up. It seems like Roxxon's game did get wrapped up a bit there at the end of the season. I don't kind of want them to retread that. I'd love to see them almost go a little more. And we saw in this, uh, the beginnings of, I don't want to call it horror, but like they had kind of the zombie people. And then they had that like weird uh, fear monster thing that we've talked about. in one of those visions mayhem now is sort of the supernatural villain. I think that would be really cool. Um, And I think season two also is about the two of them falling in love. Like people always talked about this as the Romeo and Juliet of the MCU. And it never went really to that explicitly romance place, which I thought was interesting. And I think it gives them something 
now that we know these two characters, watching them legitimately fall in love with each other could be an interesting, I think, thing. All right, Adam, this week we got uh, to see finally that Venom trailer that uh, Rhiannon told us so much about. Um, I-, I think there's a lot to respond to. I mean, it was it was kind of, uh, there were some things I didn't expect in it. Uh, how did you feel about that trailer as, uh, as you watched it this week? I'm I'm on board. I tweeted out that I, I can't remember what I said, but I, I'm on Team Venom after this one. Um, for for whatever reason, you know, wh- whether the the FX were weren't done in the first one, or what have you, but the the two subsequent trailers or teasers or whatever you want to talk or want to, ever whatever you want to call them have uh, improved my outlook on, on the whole movie substantially. Um, there were a couple of we're talking about a murderous alien and there were a couple of jokes um and I am a sucker for crappy jokes um the the closing joke in the trailer landed spot on for me I thought that was brilliant uh the whole turd in the wind thing not so much uh but yeah I mean it's kind of what I anticipated um I like that. I think EW released that high quality still of Venom a couple weeks back, and we we both seem to enjoy that. That looks kind of off uh, in the trailer. Obviously, the the symbiote doesn't have the the spider logo, um, which is is a bit disappointing. But we knew that from the San Diego footage. But overall, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I mean, we saw Riot, and there's appears to be. Uh, at least the third symbiote in the jar. It was kind of a brownish or tannish, beigeish color, and uh, Riot is silverish. Um, but I mean, for fans of Venom, uh, it looks spot on to me. I, I'm not the biggest Venom fan or Spidey fan, but I mean, Riot switched or whatever, uh, made his hands into the axes, and I know I think Hasbro just, I mean, the Carnage Marvel Legends figure actually has interchangeable axe hands i think uh so that must be something uh the symbiotes do in the comics but i if i shouldn't be saying it looks great to venom fans because i am not a venom fan but i i was a fan of what i saw in the trailer yeah i i was i mean just a nitpick i didn't love that riot's color scheme looked so close to venom's like in that cool like money shot of them fighting yeah. You can't really tell mm-hmm. who's who and what's what. Um, but it did look like, I mean, you said, you mentioned a couple symbiotes. I think that we could get as many as four or five. Uh, I saw one breakdown that was like, you've got Riot, and then you have like the female EMT that like shoots the spikes out of her. And then you have some other guy who's getting like overtaken by one in the cell when Riz Ahmed was, was looking at him. And then there's a, a another one in a canister that seems to be colored differently than any of those. You know, like, I think we could get a full four or five of them. I don't know what that team's called, but like Riot and Scream and all those other characters. I think we're going to get um, a lot of it, which would be interesting because it would almost make Carnage feel like a downgrade, I would think, for the sequel if it was just Carnage. But I guess the quality of the actor hopefully is what makes that a little more exciting as you yeah true uh yeah i i guess 
I, I have known nothing about the symbiotic characters. I also watched an interview this week where, uh, who was it? I think Flesher was in on it, but he's like, no, it's definitely symbiote. I don't know why it's symbiote. Um, that was an interesting tidbit, but yeah, I, Carn- Woody Harrelson has Carnage, man. If that comes to fruition, that's that's brilliant. I mean, it's almost too good to be true, that type of thing. I, I would absolutely love that. Um, but yeah, I guess we'll see. Um, yeah, apparently, like you mentioned, I had, I had seen or heard some people discussing that there's this, the squad of symbiotes. And I, I know Scream was mentioned. Uh, I'm not sure this was on the record or not but apparently scream is one of the ones in the movie um that's a he said he said type deal uh but outside of that yeah it it looks solid i don't know what if they just had the uh if they just had trailers number two and three uh without giving this that first one i might be like a hundred percent on board with this movie but just that first one and it's kind of and then and then Hardy's doing his American accent, and that still doesn't that doesn't work for me. Um, no, I'd the almost... first the first like opening three ten seconds of it, I was like, this sounds like Rocky Balboa got crazy drunk and then went through about forty rounds of a fight, and is totally concussed <laughs> and drunk simultaneously. Like yeah. Sylvester Stallone does not sound this bad. He's like. Uh, I'm a, I'm Tom Hardy. I'm uh, not Tom Hardy. What? I'm uh, I can't even think of the name. Not Ben Urick. Um, Eddie Brock. He's Eddie like, Brock. Yeah. I'm Eddie Brock. I'm like uh, I, I took care of the government and I find out about stuff. And I, like I just don't I don't understand. Like I, I don't know what he's going for. It undercuts the seriousness of like this is an investigative reporter that's really sharp and intelligent and you know like I don't know. It's weird. I, I like the Venom voice better though. Like, I yeah. actually kind of don't mind the way that they modulated and make, made him sound different for Venom, so. Yeah, would you, I mean, what, what's your takes on the jokes? I know you weren't, uh, you're kind of not a joke guy. You didn't like Ragnarok that much. Right, and... well, I, no, I, so I like humor, right? Like, uh-huh. um, one of the reasons I like the Marvel movies is because they're comedic, and the reason I don't like the DC movies is because they're way too dark and serious. Um, Ragnarok is not the humor. I just felt like there wasn't enough, um, I just felt like the story was a little, a little uneven and wonky and it was maybe a little too ad-libbed. Um, I don't mind humor. I don't even mind humor in this. Um, the word turd just felt really weird. Yes. I almost wonder if that's a trailer word. Like, you know, like if they change that to piece of you know yeah. like in the movie if he's like yeah. you'll be nothing but a piece of running through the you know like that'll yeah. almost make more sense i think yeah turd just feels like a eighth grader word or fourth grader <laughs> word for that <laughs> it matter. does like, yeah. I just don't get it you know sure. so do we know what uh rating this is gonna have <sighs> no so we were talking about you know the the people that watched it in san diego i'd heard that you know he bit somebody's head off I think that's that final shot where the mouth is like coming yeah. straight at the camera. This was done in such a way that I could see it being an R-rated movie. Uh, I saw a, a YouTube where they like slowed it down, and there is like a, a throat being slit, which I think is usually getting towards R. But 
I also could see them totally wimping out and cutting it down to a PG-13 for box office. Oof. I don't know about that. <laughs> I mean, it all depends on, I mean, it depends on how important this thing is to Sony. Like, we've heard a lot of, th- we're going to talk about this in our main conversation, like a lot of these movies are dependent on the success of this. A PG-13 over an R probably squeezes them out another fifty hundred million dollars domestically, I think. Mm-hmm. Because there's just, you know, there's just a lot of parents that aren't taking their kid to an R-rated movie. I don't know. There's people taking toddlers to Deadpool, so maybe people don't care about that. Yeah. I ever tell you about that? I got in a big fight on Facebook about that. I ever tell oh, really? you about that? That yeah. No. I'm not even sure if we were friends then. The. Uh, Deadpool one, but I mean that's the thing. If watch the trailer, you know, I mean it was pretty clear it wasn't really a child's movie. So I, I mean, I yeah, I get where they're coming from because it's it's the whole superhero thing, but I don't know. Yeah, this you're not, Venom trailer, you. you're not, you're not paying attention. If you take your kid to Deadpool, yeah. you're not paying enough attention. The ratings are on the side. Of the movie poster, they're like right there on the marquee as you walk up to the theater. Like, there's no if you take your kid to an R-rated movie, you know what you're doing. I I, I have no sympathy for you. So <laughs> has Ryan Reynolds ever done a family-friendly movie? Uh, Green Lantern. Okay, I was thinking like I mean, more like depends. animated or like. And he was in the uh, what the proposal was it? It was like a him and Sandra Bullock. I have no idea. Romantic I didn't know that was a comedy. movie. Even see, I mean, trailers two and three have been a lot better, you know, going back to Venom, but it, I'm not sure what it is. It still doesn't feel complete to me. I, I'm not sure if it's just because I'm not, I mean, Venom's probably, Venom's up there with Spidey and, and Wolverine as one of the most sellable uh, comics, you know, comic characters, you know, the, especially now the, the new Venom run by Donny Cates. I think number one's like on its fifth or sixth printing, uh, which is practically unheard of. They do things like Venomverse, and uh, they do all sorts of Venomized variants in, in comics and stuff. But I, I don't know what it is. I'm not sure if I'm already jaded because Venom's just so saturated in the... I mean, comic books now, between Venom and Deadpool, I mean, 70% of Marvel titles have one of those two on the cover, you know, every single month. So I'm not sure if it's that oversaturation of the character or if it's just not all there. Um, or it's an MCU bias or, or what it is. I, that can't be it because I loved Shazam and Aquaman both. I, you know, it just doesn't feel like it's all there. I'm not sure if it's because it's symbiote versus symbiote. And like you said, Riot's like this. He's silverish, but in that final shot, the, the symbiotes were removing themselves from the bodies and you couldn't even tell who was who, you know, so I'm not, I don't, it just doesn't feel complete to me. I'm not sure if that's the right word or if you're supposed to have a feeling of completion after a trailer, but it just, it's still a little bit off. It's substantially better than what we've seen in the past. Well, I mean, you talked about that first trailer. Um, if you go back now, you'll like, we kind of guessed this at the time. There are shots that are, CGI shots that had no CGI. So you talked about like the big axe hands that's in the first trailer, but it's a room with desks and computers. 
and they had like fishing line hooked up to all the computers and the computers just like all of a sudden like like fly off the desk and people were like is there telepathy in this movie or like what's happening <laughs> and if you go back and watch that first trailer and then watch this one it's because the, the uh, CGI'd in the guy's hands gotcha. like cutting them off the desk there's the same thing there's like a car flip scene where now we have like Venom's tendrils like popping out but in the first trailer it was just Tom Hardy riding down the street and cars flip around him you're like why are those cars <laughs> Why they bothered yeah. in that first trailer? I don't, I don't even. Know. I don't know. It bothered people, and people were like, "Oh, I'm not sure." And now that we've seen it, we like it better. It's just another sign that Sony does not know how to market a movie to save their lives. Like they're so bad at this. Yeah, I mean, to me, it almost seems as if they saw. I mean, there those reports surface that seem somewhat credible that oh, Venom's only in it like two shots or whatever. And then now that's all, I mean, the trailer is pretty much all Venom and not Eddie Brock. So it's kind of, I mean, the pessimist in me says, oh, they're, they're only put, they're putting every single Venom shot in the movie in the trailer just to get away from that talk. But yeah, it's, that's the first trailer still rubs me the wrong way and I'm, I'm trying to get past it, but it's just kind of uh, an elephant in the room no matter, I mean, we bring Venom up. You know, Sony Sony has that stigma around them the way it is. So, I mean, this is all of their properties. And like you said, we'll talk about it later. But all of their properties, they're, they're not coming strong out of the gates no matter which property we talk about. And I think the thing that underlies all of this, no matter how hard we try to get past it, is there's no Spider-Man in a Venom movie. And, you know, I mean... It's, that is, I mean, people be like, all right, get past it. He's a character. You don't need Spider-Man. You could do something interesting. But like, this is a character that started as like Peter Parker's dark brooding side. Like the fact that there's no Spider-Man weighs really heavy over all this stuff. And I don't think, you know, let's put it this way. If Venom had been introduced as a non-Spider-Man character, I don't think he'd be a big deal in Marvel. He was a big deal because people love Spider-Man and because he was a good foil to Spider-Man. And the, I mean, you talk about elephant in the room to me, that's it is every time we see it, it's like, wow, this looks really interesting. It would be so cool if it was actually somehow related to Spider-Man. And I feel like we're going to feel the same way about a Morbius movie or whatever. Like there's just, it's so weird to have a spider verse based on not Spider-Man. Yeah. That's exactly what I was gonna say. They're building the Spider Verse with no Spider Man. That's it's absurd, but I, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. I guess the the, the trailers two and three of Venom they they weren't bad by any means. You know, I might even prefer the third trailer over you know an Aquaman. Um, but it's just absurd. You know, my like you said, the whole marketing, and as a professional marketer by day, I would do things vastly different. Um, but then again, you and I are the ones on the podcast and not the ones making the decisions in Hollywood. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> hey, man, that's it. You should start putting in, uh, start putting in applications over at Sony. That would really Until, make this podcast fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Until uh, Disney bought them out, then I'm laid off. Yeah, that's true. 
Well, now that we've talked about the Venom trailer, uh, let's go on to our main conversation, which is um, about Sony stuff. We're going to play everybody's favorite game. Is this actually going to get made? So what we're going to do yeah. is I am going to list a, uh, a property and we're going to give our, I don't know, percentage chance that it actually happens. Uh, MCU has been really good that like stuff that is announced usually actually happens. And then um, the Sony universe has just felt more like DC that like they just constantly are quasi green lighting stuff. And we're hearing about new directors and new screenwriters. The reason we're talking about this, we didn't talk about the news, but Craven the Hunter apparently got the Equalizer 2 screenwriter today. Do we know they're making a Craven the Hunter movie? I didn't, but now apparently they're working on that. Um, so we're just going to go through these properties that have been somewhat talked about or announced or we've gotten details about, and we'll say how much how likely we think it is. Uh, we're going to start with Craven the Hunter, the new one. Uh, what percentage chance do you give it that that actually happens? And do you think it should happen at all? I read this article and I, I totally, I can't remember them ever announcing anything. They said it was announced as a project a year ago, but I didn't, I don't know, man. This, this is probably outside of silver and black. This is probably the least likely property, at least in my, I mean, I totally forgot that they'd even they even announced something like we talked about in venom they're they're making a spidey verse without spidey and i don't know you're a pretty big craven guy aren't you i i i don't know i guess you know it all comes back to are these is this going to be a connected universe are these all just one-shot movies i mean can we expect craven and venom to fight mysterio or something later on i don't know you know it's I, don't, I guess at this point, I have zero interest in a Craven the Hunter movie. I know Craven's Last Hunt is supposedly a really good comic run, but I don't know. Oh, I didn't even remember that this was something that was supposed to happen. That it was. Yeah, I mean, I think what happened is Silver and Black was supposed to potentially have Craven, and I think it was like a throwaway line in one of the reports that if Silver and Black did well, that they might spin off a Craven the Hunter movie. I assume for you, Rhiannon, there's like this is like a zero point zero on the Richter scale, right? Like there's just no excitement about that movie whatsoever. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, no. And I, I, I just keep wondering because the Sony, the Sony panel at San Diego Comic Con, like I, part of the reason I attended that was thinking they would talk about some stuff beyond Venom. And I know that's where James Gunn was supposed to have shown up before everything exploded. So was he possibly going to be involved with some of these? No, he showed a logo for something I don't know, but it was a different property altogether. Okay. But, you know, they didn't cover any of these future... I mean, it was Venom and just Venom and not a word about anything beyond Venom. Yeah, I, I give this... a. 2% chance of happening. And the reason I say that it's not everybody has been begging for a Craven the Hunter movie and I think there's a feeling that Spider-Man 
you can't go home again or whatever they call the third Spider-Man movie, assuming Feige makes it. Um, I think there was a lot of hope that Feige would do a Craven's last hunt as the finale of kind of that trilogy or like a coming of age thing for Peter. If Feige wants to do Craven's last hunt, there's no way he's letting them screw this character up. And so when I see news like this, it suggests to me that the difference between Sony and Marvel studios is Marvel studios will, will hire a guy and say, Hey, write us a script on this. We're interested in it. And then nobody will leak it because they know they're not allowed to at Sony. They tell the interns and they immediately call up collider and go, Hey guys, guess what? You know, like it just seems like this is just sharing way too much information because I don't think Sony is serious about making this movie. The other thing I find bizarre about this is we were supposed to have a sinister six movie. Like, Part of this is like deja vu because we were already supposed to get all these villain movies last time they did a spider thing. And I keep hearing, well, if Venom does well, they're going to move these forward. How well does Venom have to do? I I, I mean, Amazing Spider-Man 2 made five or six hundred million dollars. I don't think Venom is going to make more money than that. Like, how successful does Venom have to be for them to feel comfortable making this stuff? seems to be the the question that I have about it all. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw uh, Flesher. Is that how you say his name? Ruben Flesher? Fleischer? I think it's Fleischer. Ruben Fleischer said, oh, we have, yeah, we have a plan for an extended universe, but let's see how well Venom does. Which well, is kind of like, oh, okay, so, well, at least we're getting Venom and that's probably it. All right. I don't think we're big on Craven. Uh, let's go to, I think, a more likely one. What percentage chance do you give it that Morbius actually hits theaters? I think this is happening. I, I really think this is happening. I think Jared Leto could do a very good Morbius. Percentage-wise, 90%. I'll give it 90 I, I don't see at this point why they won. I mean, they announced their, their lead character. They have casting breakdowns have surfaced via that hashtag show, I believe. Um, so I don't, I don't see why it wouldn't happen. I mean, we haven't got, did we get casting breakdowns for Silver and Black? I think so. I think we did. I, I don't Wait. Know. Uh, maybe. maybe. Oh, so maybe that doesn't amount to much, I guess. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, I think we got like plot details or something like that. But yeah, I would say Morbius is probably happening. And Jared Leto could... Yeah, give him crap for uh, the Joker. I forgot the Joker's name. Yikes. But yeah, give him crap for that. But I mean, he's not a bad actor. Did he win an Oscar? Yeah. He's an for, Oscar um, winner, isn't he? Dallas Buyers Club. I mean, something. Yeah, that's what I thought. I mean, outside the Oscar winning Suicide Squad. Yeah. I think his his prestige actually makes me think it's going to happen as well because that seems to be what they're going for at Sony to get actors like Tom Hardy, Jared Leto, and put him in these roles. So, uh, yeah, I, I put it at eighty percent because I think um, I think they're pretty far along on it, and to me, it totally makes sense. Morbius and Venom kind of fit in the same world of kind of a, a dangerous world of like predatory super monsters you know um and so i i think it 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 will probably come about uh i agree with you guys that it's likely to happen all right uh this is one we always forget about night watch we got i mean they gave us a director they put spike lee on this 
Uh, there was a lot of news, and then there has been nothing since. How likely do you think this one is to coming to fruition? Not likely at all. I would say 0%. I mean, who wants a Nightwatch movie? I hate to be that guy, but Nightwatch? Come on. Probably as many people as want a Darkhawk movie. Uh, there's, you know, Darkhawk's kind of a cult favorite on Tumblr, <laughs> man. Watch, okay, let's, let's calm down a little bit. My blood's already that, boiling a little That'll be the title. Bit. Darkhawk, I'm real big on Tumblr. <laughs> <laughs> Could be. But yeah, I mean, Nightwatch, they announced Spike Lee, but Spike Lee's got a really big hit on his hand, so I, I guess we'll see about, uh. I think what Black Klansman comes out very soon. So, of course, you can do juggle multiple projects, but I mean, Spike Lee's a, a huge name the way it is. Why? Nightwatch? I don't know. I think the other challenge with Nightwatch, I don't know if this is fair. I, I think people will confuse it with Spawn. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, whenever yeah. I see a picture of Nightwatch, I'm like, is that Spawn? No, that's Nightwatch. You know, like. And so a spawn actually happening, I think that definitely hurts the, uh, the yeah, likelihood yeah, yeah. of Nightwatch happening. And they would, they would be about the same time. I think uh, it's spawns underway real quick, like with Jamie Foxx and Jeremy Renner. Come on, Nightwatch doesn't have a chance. All right, um, I forgot this one. This was not in my rundown because I forgot it. Uh, Silk. So this was just two or three weeks ago. They said that they were going to do Silk. They pushed the uh, Korean American angle. Rhiannon, do you think you'll ever see a Silk movie? Oh, that's right. Um, maybe. You know, I, I, I give that like a higher odds, you know, maybe around 50% because as we discussed at the time, they are, you know, they could be trying to catch on that diversity train, you know, trying to figure out how to jump into that realm and it gives them that in will they do it well will we want to see it that's a different story but i i think it's likely let the record reflect that rhiannon said something i say every time sony releases some movie news oh that's right (laughs) (laughs) i think i'm with you rhiannon i I give it a 50 50 as well and here's here's the way i see that going down if they make, if Peter Parker enters the uh, enters the Sony Venomverse, or whatever we're calling it, if Peter comes over, then they'll make Silk. If he doesn't, they won't, because like we talked about Venom without Spider-Man, Silk is literally bit by the same spider that bit Peter Parker. Like you cannot do a Silk origin story that does not include Peter Parker in any sensible way. Um, and so to me, it's totally dependent if it goes well enough that Feige allows them or whatever's happening to put Spider-Man in those movies, we'll get silk. And if we don't, we won't. And I think that's a real 50, 50 shot. All right. Uh, the other one that they've talked about is, uh, silver and black that was going real strong and then really fell off. You think it's uh, DOA Adam? Oh, for sure. Uh, Gina just took up another gig too, I think. So I think that kind of, uh, I can't remember what is it another superhero property? I can't remember what it is. I should have probably did a little bit of a uh, show prep. Uh but yeah, I don't They started off super strong with that and just kind of nosedived into big old nothing burger. Now, remind me, what was her role on Cloak and Dagger? 
she directed the pilot. I have, I, I'm lending her all sorts of credibility from, like, I liked Cloak and Dagger enough that I'm kind of bummed that someone who's involved in Cloak and Dagger wouldn't get a shot. Like, those are Spider-Man characters that they're actually successfully spinning off, and so Cloak and Dagger made that the one that yeah, I kind of right? wanted to see the most. Like, as much as we made fun of Silver and Black as an idea, it's the one that I think I'm most disappointed isn't going to happen now. Uh, I'd rather see it than a lot of these other things, so. All right, I've got a couple other bonus ones here that aren't Sony. Uh, we've talked about it a bit. Rhiannon, what chance do you give New Warriors of actually ever showing on TV? So did you guys talk about um, the Kevin Beigel, Kevin posting that he was doing homework with Squirrel Girl, the television writer? No, we didn't. We didn't talk about that. Yeah, I mean, I didn't post it in news. It was just kind of... But there was one television writer that put a picture up of some squirrel girl comics and said he was doing homework. So there's something happening with squirrel girl of some variety. I mean, whether it's moving on with new warriors or, um, a different squirrel girl project. So with that in mind, I'm giving a high odds of something related hitting television. Yep. I was going to say 100%. So, something something related. I mean, he tweeted a while back. Uh, he's the showrunner. He tweeted that he was working on season two before he deleted it. So it's just bizarre. It is super bizarre. Uh, Caleb, Caleb brought this up, and I'm totally with him. I think this is more than likely a streaming service thing. I mean, but how many seasons are they going to film before the streaming service starts? Like, are these kids going to be adults? I mean, because the characters are young, aren't they? They're kind of right there on the... They're almost like a Titans type thing, you know? They they could be teen Titans or they could be millennial Titans. Avocado Toast Titans, okay. you know? That type of Yeah, I don't... I, I mean, to me, it's not a teen property. Like, Mike Moy, who's on it? played the you know diner owner on two broke girls so like they're not gonna play him as a teen okay um and uh what's her name at&t girl who's gonna be squirrel girl i do not know how to say her name um she does not look like someone who's in high school you know um so i i i don't know okay so there's no risk of like the character the the actor's aging out before they ever get around to actually showing no i don't even think in the comics they were ever really teens i mean rich Ryder was a a new warrior at one point he was on the same team as darkhawk imagine that tv show yeah i think um i think they talked about the show having a youthful energy i almost the way i see it is almost like superhero friends like i kind of feel like that's the way they're gonna go like that half the episodes are going to be them like hanging out in an apartment, you know, like talking about a YouTube video or something like it just, it, I think it's going to be a very different kind of show. So, all right, two more, uh, the untitled John Ridley project. Is that ever actually happening or is that totally dead? at this point? <laughs> oh, right. Yeah. Oh yeah. Right. <sighs> No. Did, weren't we speculating at one point it was a Kamala Khan TV show or something like that? Or a uh, She-Hulk TV show. 
Wait, there's yeah, because there's the ABC female centric show. Jessica Jones Light. I Was no, I forgot Daniel that is. one. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, that it could have been that, whatever it was, which we also have heard nothing about. Who knows? Ridley signed on for a DC comic series, didn't he? I think yeah. he's writing comics or something. So we somehow missed it. I saw an article today where back in 2018, he had some weird comments about like, about like social justice and comic characters. And I couldn't tell if he was like taking a swipe at Marvel it almost sounded like he wanted to be a little too political edged in what he was doing for what Marvel and ABC were comfortable with. So, yeah, I think this is dead. Totally dead in the water. The fact that it hasn't come up again over the last year when for a while there, every three months, it was like, he was like, yep, still coming, guys. Trust me, it's still coming. You know, like, he was like Gabriel Luna gabbing on and on about Ghost Rider. So. <laughs> All right, I saved this one for you guys for last. Uh, we haven't really talked about it much. What percentage chance do you give it that Defenders Season 2 ever happens? <laughs> zero. I hope it's a zero. Really? You guys after both getting, think it's not? Oh, after being heartbroken that first season? Ugh. I think I think all signs are pointing to zero. I mean, if they were going to do another one, I feel like they would have at this point announced it well i mean they're not even announcing anything they're announcing so little these days um but there's no chatter anywhere about it happening and i don't think anybody's asking for it to happen see i'm thinking i think they look at it like they look at avengers movies right you you only do the avengers once every 3 years so that people don't get oversaturated with it so if you like, if you said, yeah, they're gonna do it again, but it's gonna happen in 2020, after another couple cycles of these other in like singular shows, I could see that happening. Like particularly if they can build up the goodwill again, and they, you know, I think they've done an okay job of responding after Defenders. Punisher was great. Uh, I think Luke Cage season two, everybody was pretty pleased with. Uh, Jessica Jones season two was, wasn't as good, but I didn't hear anything bad about it. Iron Fist, they say is going to get better. If you said a year and a half, two years down the road, they're going to do another one and they're going to throw in Punisher this time. I could totally see it. And I could also see it if, um, if they ever have to wrap this up, like we, we haven't talked about what's going to happen. Like we don't know what's going to happen when Disney streaming happens and how long this contract with Netflix runs, but I could see a big finale where they were like, the Netflix Marvel shows are shutting down and we're going to end it out with a big season of Defenders with, you know, all these characters and Hellcat and, um, I don't know, add blind spot or something like, I think it could be, I don't know. It could be real interesting. So I, I would say 60%. I just don't think they're going to help be able to help themselves from trying this one more time. All right. That's all I got. You guys have any other thoughts on that topic before we wrap the show up? When's, when are we getting that Moon Knight series? Yeah. That, I was actually thinking about expanding it. Like, we could do another conversation at some point about will they ever make these chronically talked about things like Moon Knight, Power Pack, Shang-Chi, right? I feel like there's these properties that come up over and over and over and over again. So. Shao Lao the Undying. It just goes on and on. 
Miss Marvel. We've talked we've talked about that. At all right, um, jumping over to our mailbag real quick. Not too much stuff. We've got uh, a couple comments. Uh, um, Love Waffle uh, was actually saying we're on our fan casting uh, that he would like to see um, Tom Cruise as Mojo. We talked about I talked about Mojo as Adam Sandler. But he says, just do the Tropic Thunder deal and throw him under so much crazy makeup and let him act spastic. Uh, that could be interesting. I'd love to see Mojo jumping on Oprah's couch. That would be interesting. Um, Dave, we are talking about how many movies the uh, Marvel should do once they acquire Fox. And uh, he was saying, instead of doing four MCU a year, he thinks they should keep the X-Men stuff on the Fox label and do three MCU movies and two Fox movies a year. Um, as they kind of have done already. Um, I don't know. I think that's, I don't think, I don't think once they get the X-Men, they're going to want to do an X-Men movie with the Fox marquee at the front. I think they're going to want that Marvel page flipping, you know, stuff. I think they're going to want to fold it in more than that, but we'll see. Do you guys have anything else before we wrap up this episode? Why would they want to keep those separate? I I don't know. I guess I just don't understand that. You spend so much money, eh, let's just leave them separate. Maybe I'm not understanding the comment correctly. I think for him it was more like the cruise and the labeling and the branding. But I think if Marvel's going to be making it, I think Marvel wants to put their stuff on it, you know? Also, I keep forgetting to say, um, we get excited about the Fox deal on this show because we're excited about X-Men. Uh, it, we do know that lots and lots of people are going to lose their jobs now that Fox and Disney are joining together and losing your job really stinks. And so we don't want to be so obtuse to the needs of real people that we don't at least mention once on the show that that stinks and there's going to be lots of good people and secretaries and tech guys and, you know payroll accountants and stuff like that they're gonna lose their jobs and that sucks so so it'd be insensitive to say thoughts and prayers to simon kenberg <laughs> no simon simon can go i am sure <laughs> okay simon will land uh, on his feet isn't he already like co-producing some of the star wars disney streaming stuff i think really maybe i won't watch those yeah he's a producer on clone wars for sure so he's gonna have that that money coming in soon from the the relaunch of clone wars no, but I agree with you on that. You know, I mean, that's just not in the realm that, like, there's there's the realm of our podcast, and then there's, you know, the overall Hollywood impacts of the merger um, that we could probably talk about for hours as well, but it doesn't, yeah. But we've just sort of always focused on the good parts of the merger. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, overall, this thing's terrible for Hollywood and, you know, the whole entire movie industry. But hey, at least we're getting the X-Men and Fantastic Four, right? <laughs> I mean, it's terrible. It is super bad for everything besides the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But hey, we're a Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, so deal with it. Yeah, I'm not totally... The, I mean, I don't like people losing their jobs. The only movies I hardly watch anymore are movies made by Disney. And that's not because they have a monopoly. It's because I really like the movies they make. And so, I don't know. Not too worried about it. 
All right, thanks for listening to our podcast. You can interact with us a lot of ways. Uh, you can send us messages on Twitter at Marvel News Desk. Also, you can uh, post onto our MarvelNewsDesk.com posts each week. If you want to support the show, we'd love for you to give us a dollar a month over at Patreon.com slash Marvel News Desk. Uh, one of the things you get when you do that is access to a special MCU film ranking episode that we did. And uh, I guess this year at the holidays, we'll do another special episode like that. Uh, also, we know that uh, for our Dragon Bone people, we need to get t-shirts. We promise we are thinking and working on that. It's coming. Uh, like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Marvel News Desk or subscribe to the YouTube channel at watch.marvelnewsdesk.com. Uh, you can also help the show be more visible if you want to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Most important thing you do for us every week, however, is you listen and you tell your friends. We're very appreciative. Thank you to Tim Cox for our logo. You can find him on Instagram at Tim V. Cox. And thanks to Alvin, who gave us our great theme music. You can find him on a variety of social media platforms at The Skull School. All right. I think that does it for this week. It's late on Thursday night for us. We're glazing over. Uh, So we'll talk to you guys later. Bye.